Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The New Orleans Pelicans Welcome to In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Schmidt Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In The Know. This episode of In The Know is brought to you by Untuck It, uh, another proud sponsor of the Blue Wire Network. So thank you, Untuck It. Mason, are you high from the LSU win last night? <laughs> God, that came out so fucking wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're not going to redo this. Let's go. Let's, let's keep it going. <laughs> I think enough people who are listening to this podcast know my completely irrational hate for LSU, considering one of my two parents went there. Um, but uh, yeah, I could not care less. I watched the Pelicans game uh, and then watched a movie on uh, Netflix last night after that. What movie? I think this is important because we need to judge you on your movie choice and whether it was worth not watching the game for it. Yeah. So I watched Snowpiercer. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yes. Love <laughs> Snowpiercer. I think it's Did a you? cult classic. Did you? I so I'd never I seen it before. Snowpiercer. It's and so I, weird. It's so weird, man. I, I I don't know. The ending was really stupid. Like, I don't know. Can I? This movie was made six years ago, so I can spoil her. This. Right? Yeah, we, we're not. We'll <laughs> put a disclaimer out on our Twitter on, on our tweets. But yes, go ahead. Spoil it. Yeah, spoil it. The very. I mean, first of all, almost everyone dies, and second of all, they they just the, the ending is like walking out into the snow what do you like cool you're not gonna freeze to death immediately what else is gonna happen where are you gonna find food like there are all these questions that i had that just the ending just drove me nuts it was so stupid but i was Um, entertained first of all they're not meant to answer those questions okay (laughs) it's just hope for a brighter future second of all of course they're all gonna die they're on a moving train where there's like 300 people left in the entire world and they eat cockroaches for a living i mean like 
yes, that is not a sustainable <laughs> thing. I, I, especially with the way that that's that it, that economy is structured in in terms of how it's like tiered based off of like where you are in in, uh, in the train. But I I love like those. Uh, I don't know what you what you call them, but I guess they're like single um, focus, like action movies where mm. it kind of like Mad Max, where it's just it's from start to finish. It's it's very linear, but it's like nonstop. Yeah. Well, actually, um, literally linear in this case. Yeah, quite literally linear. Another one uh, is Dread, uh, like like Judge Dread. That was mm. I think a very a very good movie, very gory. So if you're not into like blood and stuff like don't don't watch it and the the counterpart to dread would, would have been raid which i think is a uh korean movie um and, and please forgive me if, I, if i'm wrong on that but it's it's where the the police like basically have to bust up this drug house and i love those kind of movies and, and snowpiercer i think was pretty adventurous in, in in what it tried to do the whole concept was 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 pretty I interesting. Agree there completely. I do think the concept was awesome, and, and I was, like I said, I was entertained for 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 the most of the movie. Just there are some there are some flaws. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> you mean Captain America didn't didn't just win you over? <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that's the uh, other stuff I've been trying to catch up on recently is all the Marvel movies, and I know I'm way behind the times on this one. But uh, my buddy gave me a list of what order to watch all of them in and which ones I should prioritize if I don't want to watch every single one. And so I just, uh, I just watched uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and, not, <laughs> and, not, and now I'm moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy. So okay. I'll get there. What did you think of Winter Soldier? Eh, yes. it was fine. It was fine. Okay, well, to you not having like, a, like an overwhelming, like this was amazing reaction, I'll take it because – uh, let me tell you, there, What's are the some, consensus? there are some people on this website that love that movie. <laughs> that love that movie. I think that's the consensus, to be honest, I, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was terrible. <laughs> I think the whole plot wow. was contrived. We're not, we're not going to get into this, but I've, I've already voiced <laughs> my opinions. This one's for you, Ben. I know you're... <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, I liked it. I just, I just don't have a much of a reference point at this point. I got to get through more before I can uh, make a more confident opinion i didn't i enjoyed it but it, it wasn't a movie that blew me away or anything like that yeah yeah well we could probably uh go on talking for movies about movies forever uh because frankly the pelicans uh haven't been so entertaining even zion was falling asleep last night <laughs> nice and, transition uh, I like yeah hey yeah, i'm getting i gotta bring my transitions back um <laughs> But yeah, the Pelicans have won two of three. Uh, they had a pretty successful road trip. I think what's important over like the last five or so games, or you know, even over the stretch, I think they've won nine of thirteen. They're beating teams they're supposed to beat, so they're not dropping games that you you're like, yep, you know, th th this is something the Pelicans should pull a win out of. Uh oh, how do they find a way to blow it? That's not happening anymore. They're they're beating the weaker team, so they beat New York, they beat Detroit somehow missing their entire starting lineup. And Andre Drummond got played off the floor by Jaleel Okafor, <laughs> which is amazing because literally two days ago, I was like, yeah, you know, I think we should have cut Jaleel and then brought in someone else. And, and didn't Ja kind of, the first time we played them, I think Favors was also out and, and Gentry started Ja and he kind of got punked by Drummond and I don't know, Jackson had come in early. So this is quite a role reversal of sorts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what works with Ja in terms of why he's so effective one night, why he's not. I think that has less to do with him and has more to do with the opponent. In this case, Drummond putting on his showcase, I don't really care games. 
And I think that's part of the most frustrating things with Andre Drummond that Pistons fans will tell you is like, you don't know who you're getting every single night with him. Like you, you probably know loosely what you're getting on the box score. You're going to get like 10, 15, maybe 20 points uh, and 15 rebounds. But none of that tells you how he's going to play. And there's going to be nights like last night where he just is absolutely pathetic. And so that's Andre Drummond, who is now on the trade market. So good luck trading them, Detroit. But it's a great great point you made about the fact that the Pelicans are now beating teams they're supposed to be. Because it would have been peak Pelicans to go one and two on this three-game trip, beat the Celtics, and then lose to the – lose to the Knicks and lose to the Pistons. Like, that's that's the kind of inconsistent team we've come to expect. But, I mean, they took care of business against the two inferior teams. And even – I don't even think you can necessarily call the Pistons that inferior based on who played for New Orleans last night. Um, not that – I mean, obviously the Pistons are missing Blake Griffin now for the rest of the year, and they've got their own set of problems. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone could have re- realistically expected the team to beat the Celtics who are riding high, playing well right now, pretty much at full strength. I didn't expect – that lopsided of an outcome, um, I guess maybe I should have on the second out of a back-to-back with a few guys out, but it, it, it just was never even close, which is a little disappointing. But overall, like you said, on the road, uh, two out of three. And they've been on the road a lot recently. Um, and so I'm sure they're excited to get home and play a few games uh, in New Orleans without having to travel um, or not having to travel that much in the near future. Well, you know, that Boston game really, really solidified to me what I thought about any kind of Anthony Davis trade package because, you know, uh, one game is all I need to <laughs> make my conclusions. And let me tell you, man, this Jason Tatum fellas <laughs> sees the truth. Oh, man. Uh, what, what was it? Was it last night? I, I decided I feel like we take turns in battling Lakers fans about stupid shit. <laughs> and uh, I, I think you may. Was it after last night's game where you made a comment about the uh, Lakers publicly putting everyone available yep. except yep. Brady? Yeah. You, you, and, and you were off to the races. <laughs> Your mentions were oh a my dumpster God. fire. They were like, oh, you don't understand that contending teams need to trade players to win. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Every team wants to trade players to win, but. What teams do you see publicly telling their local beat reporters that, hey, everyone's available? They did that last year. We all saw what happened. <laughs> Polinka gets an extension and just <laughs> gives zero fucks. <laughs> Not that he wouldn't have done that before the extension. He probably would have. But I mean, just... I think everyone that plays on a LeBron team knows that's the case. Obviously, of course, you know, unless you're Anthony Davis or Kevin Love or Dwayne Wade or those type of players. But – Still, it's one thing to know that and another for your local newspaper beat reporters reporting that, source, citing a source close to the situation. That's kind of ridiculous. Anywho, this is not a Lakers podcast, nor is it a, a Jason Tatum podcast. But I do want to talk about a couple things I, I noticed this game. So Drew, Drew's been out for – he missed all three of these games, correct? And so we've gotten a look at Lonzo Ball as, as a primary initiator, as, as a point guard. I don't know why it's, it's so difficult for me to say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. But, I mean, you could argue that in the Knicks game and in the Celtics game, that role still belonged to Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram – led the team and drives those games. I believe he ran the most pick and rolls those games. Mm-hmm. 
he against the Knicks, he had 11 assists or was it nine assists, nine assists coming off an 11 assist night the previous game. Um, and, and the Celtics, the, the Pelicans couldn't get any form of offense going. And so the Pistons game, Lonzo literally was the sole creator on the floor. Um, we got a three game sample size of what he kind of looks like in that role uh, or an increased role especially with Drew out. What have been your takeaways from that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, hard to say confidently because he – it's not like he's playing with the, a normal NBA starting quality lineup alongside of him. Um, so I don't want to rush to judgment too much on that, but I think it's, it's kind of solidified some of the things that we've – and you specifically have been talking about in regards to him. I mean, I think – I think when this team is clicking, when this team has all those guys healthy, it's playing the way they want to play. They're running the gun, and, and they're not—they're not just getting turnovers and, and, and transition that way. They're—they're they're pushing the pace on eight baskets. They're pushing the pace whenever they can. And Lonzo's great at that. He—he is—I I mean, it's—he fits perfectly within this that style. The problem is when this when the game slows down and when you're in half court, and obviously when you when you're missing a guy like JJ Redick, the issues compound, but. It's been it's been a struggle watching him in the half court still, and I mean counting stats aside, when you're playing a ton of minutes and uh, you're you're being asked to do so much with so many guys out, you're, the, the counting stats will pile up. I think, um, and that's not to say that Lonzo didn't earn uh, some, the most of the numbers to get a triple double or almost quadruple double against the Pistons with turnovers. But uh, regardless, um, it's I, I, I haven't been terribly I, it, this this stretch has not pushed me to be more optimistic about Lonzo being a quote-unquote point guard for this team uh any more so than I was feeling before so um I know you kind of wrote about this um so I'll you know obviously let you share your thoughts but yeah I mean I, I don't want to come down on him too hard because my the mo- thing I'm thinking about most recently was the, P- the Pistons game last night and specifically the fourth quarter. And he, he did play a little better in overtime. I, like, I will say that he was one of the drivers to this team putting up as many points as it did in that five minute stretch. But that fourth quarter was one of the worst quarters I've seen him play all season. And that's kind of surprising to me, given the fact that he's had, Hey, he's had a good run uh, um, up until, up until that game, essentially. So um, still, still a lot of mixed, mixed feelings for me on, uh, on him. So before I get to my portion uh, we do have a very relevant question asked to us about this topic from, from French Pelican, hashtag Zion, uh, French Pelican. He says, after playing much better of the last 10 games, let's just say 13 games, um, whatever the stretch is, how do you feel about Lonzo if he keeps playing this way? What do you see him fitting in the future of this team? Uh, cost neutral, I'd say <laughs> I, I still feel, see a place for him on this team. The question that we always come back to on this podcast. We talked about it with McNamara all the time. It's what is that next contract going to look like? And that's what's terrifying. I mean, terrifying is probably a strong word, but um, I, I just don't know if I'm comfortable giving him the amount of money I'm afraid he might command by some team. Um, but it's, uh, again, I, and I think I said this the last time we had this conversation, I am not trying to cut bait on Lonzo before the trade deadline. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't have any concerns about not being able to give those minutes to another guard. It's just not, not something even close to them, something I'm thinking about right now. I am 
more than happy to invest in Alonzo at least through the end of the year and really give him more time to see what how it works looks with Zion, how he just continues to look and grow in this in this offense and this Pelican system. So um, I, I can't answer the question about whether or not I think Lonzo is a long-term piece yet because I need to see that first and think about it in the context of his the next contract he would be inevitably getting. Yeah, for me, obviously the contract is a concern because like even if he commands Terry Rozier money, which is around eighteen million a year or so, I don't feel comfortable giving him that much when you're going to max Brandon Ingram and you're going to have Zion coming up for a max. Do you want to? I guess the nicest way for me to put this is I would focus on acquiring other pieces to shape up my core with Zion and Ingram before I prioritize Lonzo. And, and, And that would be my focus. And Part of that, we'll be figuring out what Lonzo's fit is going to be with those additional core pieces in in addition to Zion and Ingram. And I still maintain that in the NBA, his long-term role is going to be off the bench. I I really do think that's going to be his thing. I don't know if he can be a long-term starter, especially on a playoff team, if teams continue to try to utilize him as any type of initiator. I think if they fully lean in to, to this playmaking combo slash wing player, this connector, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. And he continues to pro- progress on his jump shot to where he's, you know, a 37% shooter on, uh, on the balance and around, you know, 37 to 40% on catch and shoots. That's like reliably there for the next few years. He'll be, he'll make a great addition to, to any team. I don't know if we have enough data to say that is a likely outcome. Yeah. And that's, and real quick before you jump into your, your piece, I mean, I think that's the, that's kind of one of the frustrating things to me is we're, we're, I feel like the conversation always backs into, well, this, you know, lineup combination X isn't the best fit for his, for his skill set. It's like, are you saying that about Brandon Ingram? Are you saying that about Zion? Are you saying that even about Drew? No, you're not. And there's a reason for that. If you, if you have to make these concessions about a player, uh, just because, you, you know, you're trying to find out what's best for him, I get it. But it's also, it's certainly suboptimal, right? Ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It. The original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on small, short, slim, tall, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. I guess to expand upon uh, what we see his, or what I see his role is, I took a sort of in-depth look at what consider to be different kinds of playmaking in the NBA. And 
really, I think in the NBA overall, what you can do is you can separate players into two major buckets and like a third separate bucket. I think the two major buckets you can separate players into are play finishers and playmakers. And the third separate bucket is neither NA, whatever. And I think those guys are your specialists like Andre Roberson, who are quite literally there to play defense and grab rebounds. They're not there to impact the offense in any meaningful way uh, over a course of a game that has a hundred plus possessions. So you have play finishers and playmakers. Now, I think these are rather self-intuitive definitions in the sense that like a guy like Tyson Chandler is an elite play finisher or was in his prime. Anthony Davis is perhaps one of the best play finishers to ever play the game. A playmaker would be someone like John Wall, James Harden, that kind of player. And so drilling down into playmakers, which is what I was focusing on, you have two separate kinds of playmakers. You have connectors and you have creators. Creators are, again, this is kind of pretty intuitive as a, as a definition. Creators are players who leverage the defense, who are creating pressure. They're finding a way to compromise the defense in some sort of way to where the defense puts in additional resources to stop them and they use that pressure to create a look for an open teammate. A great example of this is James Harden. He goes driving to the basket. Defenses collapse on him, right? That either results on a lob or a kick out to three. Pretty simple. Lonzo Ball is not that. He's not a creator. He's not going into the teeth of the defense. He's not applying pressure to the defense in any meaningful way in the half court because creation ability is very, very, very closely linked to your individual scoring ability or in the moment of that possession, how dangerous the defense thinks you are as a scorer. So like a guy like Alfred Payton, he might not be a great scorer, but there will be possessions where in that possession, the defense chooses to stop his scoring action and gives up another look and he has an ability to create the shot there. Lonzo Ball is more of a connector and a connector is someone that takes advantage of a defense that is already compromised somewhere else that is already leveraged somewhere else. And now this can happen in transition and Lonzo's amazing. Are maybe one of the best in the league at this is the defense is not set matchups are, are struggling to see where, where their opponents are. And he downloads this information very quickly, finds out where the most vulnerable point is and delivers the ball there. Right. Great at that. In the half court, let's say Brandon Ingram is doing his thing. He gets in the teeth of the defense. The defense collapses. He kicks out to Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is excellent. I'd argue the best in the league at making that next pass at the most damaging spot, at the spot where the defense Hold is on. the weakest. Hold on. Did you, did you just compliment Lonzo Ball? Ugh. I better go wash my mouth out, right? <laughs> I shouldn't have. You guys I, I act like I, I treat him like. I, yeah, each no. One I, more. I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just reduced your commentary on Lonzo to something that's one that was unfair, and I, I do apologize for that because that's not that that isn't true. That's not you. You're not. I, I. You're never someone who's just universally slandering a player. It's always within like the context and the and the the kind of the overarching view that the player is really uh, 
the, the player gets uh, at, at large. And so I feel like you're just trying to help level set expectations a little bit. Yeah. I, it's always in the context of, of the value I think that they're providing the team and, and the value I'd like them to provide. And if there is a discrepancy between those expectations, I'm, I'm going to call it, call it out. Just like, you know, yep. last year with Julius Randle and his defense early on, I would be like, this guy is, is giving up as many points as he scored. And everyone would be like, oh, he scores 25 points a game on, on great efficiency. And I'm like, okay, but he is hurting the team. One, because, you know, he's taking away shots from AD and, and Drew and is hijacking the offense. And two, just he gives up as many on the other end. And finally, I think, you know, three or four months into the Julius Randle experiment, people started to see like, okay, this guy is just a black hole. Um, it was with the same way with Rondo before that with Rondo and Boogie and they weren't working out. And in any case, um, back to this, this connection and creation thing, Lonzo may be the best connector uh, in the league right now. I, I think that title probably belonged to Draymond uh, somewhere along the line. It may still, I don't know how the Warriors are going to look when, when their best shooters are back. But like when you look at the Warriors, right? Draymond was, in essence, the engine of their offense. And I don't want to take away from, from, from Steph Curry because it was Steph Curry's creation. It was his leverage, right? He's un, uh, unbeatable shooting ability that creates situations for Draymond to play make. And, and Draymond is fully leveraging the, the shooting prowess of both Steph and Clay and, and KD was healthy to make reads and make plays for others. Draymond was, was fantastic at that. I think Another guy, oddly enough, Danny Green was really good at this with the, with the Spurs. Um, we've seen a lot of examples in this throughout history. Uh, Al Horford, for a big, is a fantastic connector. He is amazing at making plays in the short roll or, or, or in, in the pick and roll. Or anytime he, he receives a pass, he's just really good at finding these pockets where the players are supposed to be and where, where they can do the most amount of damage. There is a role for those kind of players on – every single team. And I think great teams need that kind of player to be successful. I think where the difference lies is you can have a high volume creator, like a mega creator, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, when he was by himself, uh, you know, Chris Paul, when, when he was with the Hornets uh, or anytime in, in his early career. And these, those type of players are creators. They, they really raise the floor of a team, right? They can, they can make a bad team. Good. You look at some of the rosters that James Harden has worked with, he's really elevated that team just because of his creation ability. Westbrook's carried the, the thunder to the playoffs and Chris Paul's doing kind of the same now. I mean, uh, their roster's pretty good, but you guys get the point. I don't think the best connector in the league can make a bad team good, but I do think the best connector in the league can make a good team. Great. And I think the best example of that is Draymond right now, where his, his efficacy is, drastically lower on that Warriors team than it is on a team with, with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, and Kevin Durant. And, and that's where I'm at with Lonzo is you can probably construct a team, a Pelicans team that fully takes advantage of his skill set in that regard. But what you need to do is make it a good team first and then you insert him. So I guess my follow-up question there would be how can – is there a reasonable path in your mind to doing that in a way that makes the Lonzo long-term investment a reasonable one to make? Um, and that isn't meant to be binary because I don't think it is. 
there's a, I think there's a universe where that's possible, but if there, if there are better and easier pathways to becoming a good team without him, I think that's a, certainly a conversation to have, but do you, I'll start with, I mean, do you, is there a pathway that you see where you can make, make that team the way you need it to, and also have Lonzo be a real, a significant part of it? Well, I think the conversation starts with, with Zion Williamson and you, we don't really know what kind of impact he's going to have on the team and, and on opposing defenses. I think we all can generally agree that he's going to provide a tremendous amount of pressure at the rim in the paint, similar to guys uh, like LeBron or Giannis. I'm not trying to say he's, that's what he's going to be, but just his sheer athleticism and skill and, and, given what we saw in preseason, that's, that's where he does the most damage and team defenses are going to orient themselves to take that away. When, when defenses orient themselves to take that away, when, when they're faced with that option, like, okay, do I want to stop Zion Williamson or do I want to leave Lonzo ball with an open shot? What do you think they're going to choose out of a hundred times? Yeah. I mean, right, it's pretty right. like ninety ninety nine percent of the time they're going to be like, all right, we're we're going to take away Zion's look and, and leave Lonzo for that shot. So, does this reliably compromise the Pelican spacing in the sense that the paint's always going to be clogged if that happens? And two, can Lonzo continue to hit his shots at uh, an acceptable rate? So again, I'm looking at that thirty seven percent range. Um, or higher in, in those catch and shoots because Zion's going to create a ton of those looks and that's going to become ultra important. He's not always going to have the opportunity to make the connecting pass from that situation. And he's going to have a lot of those opportunities because the Pelicans are going to play f- incredibly fast. Uh, and in early offense, those opportunities are, are, are plentiful. But like in, in the half court, good teams will take away that extra pass. Good teams will force rotations that will make you uncomfortable. So like if teams are giving up that shot to him, can he, and, and when he receives that pass, he'll have to have moments where he knows that pass is intended for him and him only. Can he punish the defense in an acceptable way? That's something we have to find out. And to me, if he can do that, then he has a fit on this team and uh, a long-term outlook because there's going to be other higher level creators. Brandon Ingram already is one. Zion Williamson will take uh, some of that responsibility and his usage will only grow. But the good thing about Zion is you know, he's a guy that can kind of create his own usage as a big and be a more of a play, play in a play finishing role, depending on the lineup. I still think the Pelicans need uh, another pure creator type person to fill in and, and run those quote unquote point guard duties. I mean, Drew's doing it right now. I don't know what Drew's future is on the team. Mm-hmm. I still think if Lonzo is going to be a starting guard on this team, they need another guard who can not only shoot, but, but create for others in the half yep. court by, by sucking in the defense. And if Lonzo is yep. not going to be a starter, then you can, you can get a little creative with, with how you're structuring the team, but I still want that kind of player. Yeah. And that last part's exactly where I'm at too. It's it's just that which, which you need next to next to Lonzo is a guy who not only can be the, uh, the, the pure point guard. It doesn't have to be you know, a, a Chris Paul level type point guard, but, um, but yeah, really a pure um, initiator um, or creator, as you would put it. Um, and then and also someone who's an above average shooter and who defenses have to at least pay attention to um, just because that's, 
I want to buy into the Lonzo shooting. Um, but let's be honest here where we fixed the shot uh, or Vincent quote unquote fixed the shot in the summer and he's shooting a better percentage than he's ever shot at from three, but it's still, it's, I mean, it's, it's marginally better. It's like probably an average three point shooter, maybe slightly above average. And you need way more of a sample size. And this has been proven statistically, you need a much higher sample size for it to be, to have confidence in something uh, being like a, 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 something you can predict forward to. So this isn't, th- this part is not Lonzo hate. It's not anything uh, like me saying that I don't believe that he can eventually be a good three point shooter. It's just that we don't have enough evidence yet. I would say this for anybody because the, we don't have enough success historically on his part to predict it forward as something that we think can reasonably continue to happen. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that that's essentially what this all boils down to is is waiting and and seeing what what these guys turn into but i i do think it's a fair question to ask is how mu- how much longer do you want to invest in opportunities for lonzo as a creator right because i i hear a lot of talk about well if he only develops his floater if he only develops his mid-range game and, and etc and it's like I think McNamara made this point is like, okay, you can, some guys can work on something and they can take something that's like at a C level and make it like a B level. Right. But how often do you see a guy that goes from F level? Cause that's what his floaters at. And that's what his mid range is at is maybe worse and, and, and takes it to, to, to B level. I don't think that that, that ever happens in this league. And so you got to be realistic about the kind of expectations you have for a player in, in, in improving that I, I do agree that they need to continue to work on that outside of practice. So when the situation presents itself, you have that in your bag, but how much do you want to invest from a schematic standpoint into like, Hey, this is how we want to play with Lonzo uh, versus actually embracing his, his role and doubling down on his strengths. And I think that's a tough question to answer because a lot of that involves Lonzo accepting he is who he is rather than what he wants to be. And I can't tell you what he wants to be or not, but I can only guess that if you're the number two pick and you know, you're touted by magic Johnson as like the next great point guard and everyone calls you a point guard, that's what you think you are. So I think there's going to be a sort of reflection of, of self image versus actuality. And I don't know at what point those things are going to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Good discussion. And and I'm sure we'll get angry responses from people about how we hate Lonzo. But um, I, I think it's, I, I think it's all important things to think about. And, and when we talk about Lonzo, it's about how looking and taking the long-term view of this team and what, you know, what gives them the best chance of success. And maybe it's Lonzo, but also maybe it's not. I think the one thing that we can say confidently is that this team is going to be building around, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And from there, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So um, I do want to ask you a couple questions regarding the future of the Pelicans. The Pelicans next year only have nine players that are going to be uh, guaranteed to return in terms of like their contracts. I mean, yeah. So Brandon Ingram, we're going to, just check off as like okay he's returning even though he's yeah. marked as restricted free agency the guys that aren't um the we are we don't know if they're gonna return or not are, are Derek Favors who's an unrestricted free agent Etwan Moore who is an unrestricted free agent Jaleel Okafor who is an unrestricted free agent and then Frank and Kenrich now 
granted there aren't any significant roster moves between now and the trade deadline. I think that's, that's a separate topic. Do you think the Pelican, like who, out of those guys, like who do you think is coming back? Uh, um, if I had to even bet, say? yeah, if I had to bet on one player coming back out of those, I think I'm putting my money on Kemrich. Um, really? More I, so than Derek Favors? Yes. Um, and the reason wow. is, so I don't think, I, I don't think that, my, that would have been my answer a month ago, just because I think we were kind of riding high on Kemrich and thought that, you know, he, oh, let's watch it. This guy's going to, he's going to be a sneaky grab for somebody in restricted free agency. And, and, and I think now we've kind of realized what, a, a little bit better what his limitations are. And I think that the Pelicans may be able to kind of steal him and re-sign him. And, and so it's not, it's, I'm not talking about which Pelican I think is the, has the most value. It's definitely not Kemrich in that respect. But I think as far as cost benefit, I think I could see Kemrich being a guy they keep because um, not as many teams see the value that New Orleans has seen from him from time to time. Um, as far as value, of course, like I'm going favors, but favors. It's, it, it, I think favors is a bigger question around what the, what the deal he's going to command versus what the Pelicans are willing to pay. So I think that's more of a question mark to me. Um, but yeah, that my 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 pick would be if I had to pick one that I thought would be in the Pelicans next year. Right now, I think it's Cambridge, but that's just because it's a value play in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I thought. I was going to ask you this, this podcast, does Kenrich Williams comes back? I think it's a legitimate debate. I think if the Pelicans have the opportunity to fill that roster spot with another player, another front court player, I don't think they're going to hesitate. Um, that being said, I think you make a fair argument in the sense that if Kenrich is your 15th man and you could pay right. him like your 15th man, uh, which the Pelicans may very well be able to do, then, then yeah, but I don't know if that makes him the most likely. I, I, I don't know. Well, like, if sure, here's the thing. I think, I think if, if you give Kemrich a long-term deal, that's it's probably a nice value contract on the Pelicans' part. As far, I don't think he's going to be commanding a lot per year. And then if it's a short-term deal, uh, he could be your Darius Miller. I mean, he could be a guy who you maybe slightly overpay because you're not worried about flirting with the tax line. And maybe you flip him in the middle of the season or something. So I think there, you have a lot of options with Cambridge, I think is, is kind of where I'm going. Average annual value of his contract over or under $4 million. <laughs> that is entirely dependent on the length of the contract. And I feel, I, I mean. Let's say three I, years. Okay. Um, I see him as like a biannual exception level type guy. That that's that's biannual money. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're I think you're you're spot on. I think I think they can come under that if if they give him four years. I don't think he's getting four years, <laughs> but I, I I mean I could easily see him. I could easily see them saying parting ways, Darius Miller, and giving Kemrich like that the same type of of deal they gave Darius, where you give an overpay him in year one and make a player option year two or something like that, and see. But also you have to keep in mind that this is a guy whose agent wouldn't let him accept a two-way contract. And so, that, I mean. Yeah, but is it the agent or is the agent only doing what the guy wants? Like, sure. So either, either way. I mean, the point, my, I guess I, I worded that poorly. But my point was that Cameron's uh, last Cameron's agent, these are, they're, he's more likely maybe than your average player to want to bet harder on himself. And so I think that's something to keep in mind and potentially playing hardball in free agency. Um, well, I, I guess we'll see. But uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things at play with, with him and his contract. I think. Okay. I I would have I would have picked favors. 
So you don't have to what up pick favors. You can pick favors. <laughs> I I pick favors. There you go. I think given what we've seen from uh, a pure value standpoint in terms of, man, this is the only guy that can set screens and rebound. <laughs> kind of <laughs> makes, <the> it, <laughs> <laughs> makes it inevitable that the Pelicans are going to try super hard to bring him back. But yeah. I, we touched upon this last podcast, last podcast or I think Atlanta is going to be a huge factor. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on is, and, and fans so, so aptly pointed out, is he's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's home. And, and home may just be different. And they have a lot of money to throw. So I guess, guess that's something to keep, keep an eye on. Yeah. And, I mean, and even more and more, and, and it's, it's absolutely recency bias, but health has to play in here too. Uh, it, I mean, you have to take a look at Aaron Nelson, the Metsaf, and say, is, based on what you've seen, based on what you know about this guy, is this someone you're confident in us investing a nice you know, sum of money in later? Because I think, I think they're, the only way that an that a extension for Derek Favors goes wrong is if injuries, more injuries continue to happen. Because I feel like his game and what he adds, it's not built on athleticism. It's not a, I don't think he's a guy who's going to age poorly unless it's health reasons, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, again, for all these reasons, the Pelicans are going to try to bring him back, uh, preferably at a, at a very reasonable contract. I think what I want to do is ask you the most pressing question that everyone <laughs> – has ever wanted to know the answer to is does Zion Williamson make his return on Thursday? <laughs> How many questions have we gotten about that? I think everyone's gotten literally anybody loosely associated with the Pelicans has probably been asked that 17 times. Have, in have, the you last week. DM, have you gotten DMs from random people asking about this? You know, I have not gotten DMs from random people. Oh no, you're you're wrong. You're, <laughs> I no. have, except it wasn't like this week. I was like, oh, I haven't. But no, people have been asking me periodically since Thanksgiving. When's he coming back? When's he coming back? When's he coming back? Yeah. Yes, DMs from random people. You're right. <laughs> yep, I've gotten them too, and I'm still putting my money on Saturday. Uh, I would be very happy if it happens Thursday, but and I would also be very sad if it happens after Saturday. So um, Saturday I'm, is the twentieth. The Clippers game, 18th, I think. 18th. Or, yeah. Okay, fine. You pick Saturday. I'll pick MLK Day. Fine. Oh, you're not even going Thursday? Fine. No, I'm not going Thursday. I don't think it's Thursday. I think that's a false flag. That's not Fair the enough. right term. Whatever. Okay. Well, until then, you'll probably have another podcast episode from us.
parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.